the year 1999. Man, I really wish I could hear that Joey McIntyre performance he did at the mall. But how? How am I ever going to find a bootlegged recording of Joey's mall performance? What is this life? Don't you even worry, random teenager. You might be able to find that Joey McIntyre mall performance on Napster. Just don't let your parents find out you're using it. The record industry and Metallica may come after you. That's right, listeners. We downloaded all the information we could find on Napster for you. Napster, this week on This Was A Thing. This was a thing. This was a thing. Yo, girl, remember Blink-182? Low-rise jeans on everyone, you The flight of the balloon boy And the fall of my space And its nipples slipping This was a thing It hardly bling Freddy got fingered Was a thing This was a thing Hi, I'm Rob. And I'm Ray. And you're listening to This Was a Thing, the podcast that dives deep into the cultural happenings of yesteryear. Now, today we're going to be looking at Napster, but don't tell the FBI, though. (laughs) Now, this was a thing because in the year 2000, most everyone had the internet and started to realize that carrying 180 CDs around everywhere you went just so you could listen to the 15 songs you liked was a pain. Now, Napster was the answer to everyone's problem. Hello, CDs. Nowadays, you can listen to pretty much any song you want through your music app of choice, whether it's Apple Music, Spotify, whatever the Amazon one's called. If your ears are jonesing for a particular B-side, you'll find it. If not, it's on YouTube. Now, Rob, has there ever been a song that you weren't able to find online? Like, I feel, No, I've been I, able to find everything. And I feel, that's the thing. is, I, I felt like if there was one person I knew that couldn't find a song, it would be you because it would be some obscure, like, <laughs> out-of-town <laughs> musical. Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, they recorded it in Boston, but it didn't make it to New York. Uh, I'm looking for the bootleg of Frankfurter Sandwiches, <laughs> cut, cut from the 1924 musical, What Do You Mean They're Moving Into the Neighborhood? Which was written by <laughs> Richard Rogers and Lorenz Hart. That's stupid. <laughs> uh, and the sequel, oh God, starring Al Jolson. <laughs> Now, <laughs> so no, I, I'm good. I've, I'm able to find everything I need. See, that's the thing is, every I, there's you. You can find everything nowadays. Like we are in the renaissance of finding random, <laughs> which is so wonderful. The internet is so big and beautiful nowadays. But I'm old enough to remember how cool it was to go and get a new CD. Like, like to go to Tower yeah, Records, to ta- exactly. Orders. Go to the mall, hit up Sam Goody, you know, get the newest- Sam Goody. Yeah, oh yeah. Get Sam Goody's newest. got it. Do you still buy CDs at all or no? Oh God, no, no. I haven't bought a CD in so long. Buying a CD was part of growing up and, you know, becoming an adult, but things started changing by the time I became an adult. And, you know, I, I'll be honest, I feel like enough time has passed and I'm not going to incriminate myself. Oh, no. Oh, no. But I was a Napster user. All right, boys. He admitted it. Let's oh, get him. Oh, God. I was like, it was like a passing dream. It was huge, but then it was gone, lost to the histories of the internet historians and old hard drives. Eighth grade was a wild year. For you. For me, at least. Now, I don't really remember how Napster worked per se, but I can say that I wasn't, a, I'm just saying I, I, I wasn't a computer whiz by any means yeah. and I was able to figure the system out. So it was pretty user friendly, which only helped with its popularity in the that long run. That is true. You know what I mean? So I was like some punk eighth grader that had, no, you know. Uh, it was very easy for kids to manage. Exactly. And older people also, I think, were able oh, to manage exactly. it. Yeah. Uh, I remember one example is like my mom got married in 2001 and I downloaded like the wedding march and like random music from Napster. For for her wedding, like 2001. You are a good son. Oh yeah, you are oh, yeah. a good and son. I, well, and I remember feeling like I was like, I'm so helpful. Like this is, yeah, I'm helping. Don't, Hell yeah. Don't don't say the vows yet. I've got five percent left. <laughs> exactly. Now I started it three weeks early. The download. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was the it, other thing. It was ready. Now I used a really great article published by the Guardian in 2013 called Napster. The day the music was set free. It was written by Tom Lamont. Oh, I love Tom Lamont. Oh yeah, he's. He is a guardian. Now, in the late 
late 90s, sharing files on the internet was something that happened, but most of the files were text-based. Sharing music or videos was something that wasn't done easily. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean, like, text-based? Like, you know, you could share, like, you know, a Word document and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So that's, you know, that's a file. Sharing music and videos was something that just wasn't done easily, especially by someone who wasn't necessarily, like I said, internet savvy. You know, if before Napster, if I wanted to share something, you know, it was on a floppy drive or maybe you could send it through an email. This is from Time Magazine in 2000. In the late 90s, downloading music was so cumbersome it was mostly relegated to college students with access to fast pipes and techno geeks sufficiently driven to search the net for the latest fish bootlegs. The digital music standard MP3 was developed in 1987 as a way of compressing CD quality sound files. Mm. Now, the technology made it possible to take songs from a CD and, quote, rip or convert them into MP3 files, usually in violation of copyright. Yes. But even in the mid 90s, when faster computers and high bandwidth connections to the internet made it possible to seek and find mp3 files ripping cds was still a tedious process yes. so even then do you remember borrowing a cd from a friend and burning it and copying it and yes stuff, where it was like you had to there was like two different cd oh, there were two drives, drives and, and you had to put the blank cd the blank in. cd yep. and then it wouldn't work and it wouldn't work yeah and then oh my god it was such a pain or it would skip it, it was skip. horrible oh my god but then in 1998 things would start to change forever all starting in an internet security forum called Woo Woo W. 00W00, which is very internet. In the forum was a user named Napster. He let everyone know that he was working on a piece of software that would let users share music files or MP3s with each other. It would allow people to just go right ahead and dip into other hard drives and download the music files from mm. the other hard drives. Now, to some on the in the online forum, it seemed kind of fishy. Sharing? <laughs> you got to remember, back in 1998, the internet was an even scarier place than it is today. It's gonna a virus. Yeah, and it's pretty scary today. So imagine how scary it was in 1998. This is a clip from a documentary about Napster called Downloaded. It was actually directed by Alex Winter, who you may know as Bill from Bill and Ted movies. Excellent. So this is about them uh, hearing about Napster for the first time in the chat. You're saying that people are going to download a client, put a client on their computers, and they're going to allow stuff on their hard drive to be shared. Most of the development of the web up until Napster was basically about information storage and information retrieval. It wasn't about connecting people to people. We're gonna like download stuff from each other. Like, I was like, nobody's gonna open up their hard drive like that. Nobody's gonna allow their bandwidth to be used. This sort of comes onto my radar and it's really interesting. No one is going to share an MP3. That, that was my quote, no one's gonna share an MP3. And boy, was I wrong. I was so wrong. So in that clip, it featured Ali Adar, username Mars, and Jordan Ritter, username No Carrier. They were all in the initial chat room that Napster dropped his idea. Now, Napster was the name of Sean Fanning, getting the nickname Nappy because of his afro. Isn't high school great? So Napster was a nickname on the nickname. One person in the chat did like the idea, an 18-year-old entrepreneur with gelled red hair, Sean Parker, username Man O' War. He was on board from the beginning. Now, let's say in our film, Sean Fanning, Napster, is going to be played by Ashton Kutcher. He seems to always be down to do celebrity biopics. That seems right. And then for Sean Parker, let's cast Seth Green to play him. I love Seth Green. Yes, Seth Green. I think he gelled red hair. Now, Sean and Sean had been friends online since they were 14 and 15, Parker being one year older. They both had a knack for hacking, and that's what initially bonded the two teens. Now... In the 80s and 90s, there was the popular phrase, I got a need for speed. Well, it was replaced with, I got a knack to hack. Did you make that up? I made that up. That's not from Time Magazine? No, no. Time, what are you doing? Hire this guy. I, you know. You give good headlines. Now, they initially started a company called Crosswalk, which offered to advise companies that seemed to be susceptible to hacking. That didn't plan out, though. Mind you, they were still in high school at this point, though, so they were already trying to figure out ways that they could use their knowledge of hacking. Now, when Parker was in his teens, his house got raided by the FBI because he was hacking into Fortune 500 companies as a hobby. He just hacking into them. 
He would email the site administrator from their own email telling them inconsistencies on their website that needed to be addressed. <laughs> like that was like his hobby. Like, hey, by the way, I was able to do this, this and this. You should probably fix this. So uh, at bad least he hackers. was honest. I know. Like it was like he did fun hacking. It yes. wasn't to like screw people over. It was just to see, to see what his, his capabilities were almost. That's actually very sweet. I know. Right. So I also mentioned that at 18, Sean Parker was already an entrepreneur. Now, while in high school, he interned at a startup in D.C., created a web crawler that won Virginia State Computer Science Fair, and he also was recruited by the CIA. Wow. By his senior year of high school, Parker was already making $80,000 a year from his various projects he was working on, so this convinced his parents that he didn't need to go to college because he was already doing pretty well for himself. Now, Sean Fanning, on the other hand, did go to college. Uh, This is from the same Time Magazine article written in 2000, October. Can you read it like a Time reporter? They're kind of like rich and arrogant. Yeah, absolutely. The Time Magazine had Sean Fanning on the cover. Oh, that's pretty big. Showing like how big, you know, foreshadowing how big. The idea for Napster just came to him as he was sitting in his dorm room at Northeastern University in Boston, hanging out with some of his bros, drinking a brew and listening to his roommate whine about dead MP3 links. Fanning, whose high school nickname was The Napster, a reference to his perpetually nappy hair, just shrugged. But he began thinking there might be a way to access files without going through a website. He had taught himself Unix programming between his junior and senior years at Hardwich High in Cape Cod, and he knew enough to think such a program would have to be possible. I've had this idea that there was a lot of material out there sitting on people's hard drives, he says. I mean, even if you were at search engine websites like Lycos or Scour, you were still looking at people's hard drive. So that's the idea, that there's all this stuff sitting on people's PCs, and I had to figure out a way to go out and get it. That was a great reading, right? Thank you so much. Now, the idea would stick in his head, and he kept working it all out. He'd bring his Dell notebook everywhere he went to code his master plan. Remember when they used to call laptops notebooks? Yes. <laughs> Remember that? That was fun. You mean they don't still, so I should probably stop using that? Do, do you still Every use Every once in a while? Yeah, okay, I'm going to fix that. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I guess they I'm might make still a note use on my notebook. notebook. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> it's a vicious cycle. <laughs> now, he decided to drop out of college, but from the Time Magazine article, it made it seem like he just left his clothes, books, and bedding in his dorm room and never went back to go get them. We went missing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, He moved into his uncle's computer gaming company office and went to work setting up the code for Napster. If he wasn't sleeping on the couch, he'd sleep on the floor in a utility cupboard, hours and hours of coding. I guess it was about six months he worked in uh, coding. Now, his plan was to mix all of the best things of different programs into one. The instant messaging of Internet Relay Chat, which is a chat service, file sharing functions like Microsoft Windows, and advanced searching functions like Major Search engines. Oh, smart, smart. It was the first major program that he had ever written, and he wanted to make sure to launch it before anyone else could release something similar to his on a larger scale, you know? So he didn't have any money, but if someone, God forbid, decided to see if they could launch this and had a little bit of startup, then he would be screwed. This is a little clip of them meeting for the first, uh, talking about meeting for the first time and stuff. Who, the two Shans? The two Shans, yeah. We met over the internet, and we knew each other for like three or four years or something before we ever met in person. Mm-hmm. We met the first time as a result of Napster. Sean flew down from Boston to Virginia to meet with some investors that I'd set up a meeting with. The doorbell rang. I was nervous for a brief second, kind of like going on a, like a first date uh, with someone you're starting a company with. And, uh, and the door opened, it was fanning, he looked at me, he said, you look exactly like I thought you'd look. And I said, you look exactly like I thought you'd look. And he said, okay, great, let's go for the presentation. So we jumped into the PowerPoint and went through all the slides and then got in my parents' minivan and, and my dad drove us to our first investor pitch. Fanning had finished coding in the spring of 1999 while Parker got 50000 from investors. With the program and some startup cash, the pair moved to Northern California, officially meeting for the first time. Now, by this point, Fanning's Napster hair was buzzed and a relic of the past. Uh, but that didn't stop them from keeping the name Napster. How was that for a read? That was good. Now, their first employees were friends from the forum where they'd met Ali Adar, like I said, username Mars, who would end up being their senior director of tech. And then Jordan Ritter, no carrier, would be chief server architect. Napster was officially launched on June 1st, 1999. And what was great about Napster was that users were able to get access to music that they may have never been able to get before. Sure, you could get the latest hit songs, but you could also get that live recording from your favorite artist that you always wanted. You can get that random Dutch release from that boy band. Yes. You could even get audio versions of your- shoes. I remember them. They were my favorite bands. (laughs) But you could also 
get audio versions of your favorite Monty Python sketches, which I did. Oh, no. I'm looking at you, dead parrot sketch. This parrot is no more. It has ceased to be. It's expired and gone to see its maker. This is a late parrot. On Napster, did you just get the audio? Just the audio. So you didn't see it? Not didn't see it. it. And I'd never known about Monty Python growing up. And I found out about them because of other friends I had who downloaded Monty Python on Napster. And uh-huh. I was like, oh, let me get that. So my first exposure to Monty Python was this uh, Lumberjack song, but the audio versions. And then when I went to Costco one time, I got tapes of it. And then my mind was blown. And from there. But my first exposure to Monty Python was because of Napster. So no, no, no. I'm going to take it a step further. We have the comic genius that is known as Raymond Michael Hebel because of Napster. Oh, God. I meant that. Uh, well, thank you. Now, you got to share in your love of the random with users across the world who also loved random, something that Rob and I <laughs> are very, very familiar with. Just random. We should have just called the show random. Yeah, random. Random retro. Yeah. Ooh, retro random. Retro random. That's a spinoff. I remember being in eighth grade and Napster was absolutely huge. Like I was just saying, people were downloading the most random things. And I was able to discover the classic song, Popcorn by the band Hot Butter. Now, internet networks and college dorms were becoming overloaded with as much as 61% of network traffic going towards MP3 file transfers. Colleges started to block Napster because of this. Get out. Yeah. Napster's number of registered users was doubling every five to six weeks. Doubling every five to six weeks. By October 1999, there were said to be four million songs in circulation. By December that year, record companies started taking notice. Now, by March 2000, there was more than 20 million in the Napster community. And by the summer of 2000, about 14,000 songs were being downloaded every minute. Now, I can't remember. You did not have to pay to be part of Napster, No, you did right? not have to pay to be part of Napster. And was... you didn't have to pay to get any of the songs. Nope. Nope. You didn't have to pay for you any. Just, would, you, would you hit, like, request? It would just be, like, you'd search. Yeah. If I remember correctly, you'd just search, and then you'd find, okay, that, like, oh, that's it, you know? And then a lot of times they would be mislabeled. So, oh, yeah. Mind you, at this point, too, CDs... I'm going to kind of mention this, but they were starting to go down and they the sales were starting to plummet. And it was because wasn't as of popular. Napster. Well, just because people were just kind of getting over it. Just they weren't they weren't doing enough to keep moving forward and stuff. Mm-hmm. And also at the time, CD players, if you were on the move, do you remember how hard it was to listen to a CD in like a, if it didn't have skip protection on the CD player? Oh, God. Yeah, I remember. I remember I used to like go for like jogs and stuff and I would bring a CD player and you literally had to stop every three, four seconds. Yeah, because you were like, it's it's moving around too much. Yeah, it it was it, yeah. it, it was like as good as it sounded. Like you could you could run with tapes. You know what I mean? Like you could run with tapes like, without a problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like that's the thing. It's you what you gave up in you know moving around. You got in sound, but then it's like you know if you're gonna stay if you're not gonna be at home listening either way. Now it was around this time that major record labels started to take notice. Many of the labels heads started to gather together for a, a summit of sorts. They all met at a Washington. Washington, D.C. offices of the Record Industry Association of America, or RIAA for short. RIA! RIA for short. At the summit for the RIAA, they played a game that was informally called Stump the Napster. Now, the game entailed each executive trying to search for the label's newest single on Napster. Now, when they realized how many current singles were available to share online for free... Uh, that's when they started realizing something had to be done, and a lawsuit was on the horizon. Do you smell that? I'm sorry, it was was that double beef and cheddar. No, the smell of love in the air. I'm pretty sure that's double beef and cheddar, buddy. Will you stop? It's February, which means that it's Valentine's Month. That's right, I said month. And any healthy relationship celebrates Valentine's Day for the entire month. And what's the best gift to give that loved one? How about some exclusive 
access. Now that's sexy. Sorry, I had something in my throat. I am talking Patreon access here, folks. You can tell your love that you got them the old Lucy level. Yeah, that's right. For only $5 a month, you can gain access to so much exclusive content. It's not even funny. Easy. The content is funny. Yeah, sorry. It's uh, it's the amount of... Of funny content you get isn't funny. That's right. Funny content for a sexy Valentine's Day. I got you this Patreon access for Valentine's Day. I said I wanted chocolate. Oh, boy. Now, also at the beginning of 2000, Metallica was recording their next single, I Disappear. Now, to avoid copyright violations, I'll sing a sample for you. Hey, hey, hey. Here I go now, here I go in two new days, hey, Now, I'm sure you remember it after that. So, I Disappear was going to be the big new song that was going to be part of the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack. Oh, fuck, that was a big deal. Yeah, hell yeah, it was. Well, a demo of the song was made its way onto Napster, which then led to many radio stations playing different unfinished versions of the song before it was properly released. And Metallica was made aware of this, and they weren't happy. Uh, And then when they found out their entire back catalog was on Napster, they, too, decided to take legal action. Because they're not getting any money. No. This is Metallica drummer uh, Lars Ulrich explaining finding out about Napster to the Senate Judiciary Committee. Earlier this year, while completing work on a song for the movie Mission Impossible 2, we were startled to hear reports that five or six versions of our work in progress were already being played on some U.S. radio stations. We traced the source of this leak to a corporation called Napster. Additionally, we learned that all our previously recorded copyright songs were via Napster, available for anyone around the world to download from the internet in a digital format known as MP3. In fact, in a 48-hour period where we monitored Napster, over 300,000 users made 1.4 million free downloads of Metallica's music. Napster hijacked our music without asking. They never sought our permission. Our catalog of music simply became available for free downloads on the Napster system. Now, rap artist Dr. Dre shared the same litigator as Metallica, so he asked Napster to remove his music, which they refused to do, so he sued them as well. Why was Napster saying, we're not going to remove your music? Just, I think it was just a matter of, well, no, I, why, why should we remove your music? You know what I mean? It's just, we're just sharing it. So their big thing was, oh, it's just sharing. So wait a minute. So technically, if I'm understanding this correctly, right, let's say I bought a CD mm-hmm. and I took that CD and I took a song off that CD and I put it on the computer, and anyone that wants to download that song now can. Is my justification then, hey, I've already bought the CD. Yeah. You can't tell me what to yeah, do with it. Yeah, you can't tell me what to do with it. Because no one's making money off of it. Yeah, exactly. It's not like you're paying me for the Metallica song. No, but then people are getting that Metallica song for free where they would have normally paid for it. They would have to have paid for it before. Yeah, yeah before, and that's where Metallica and RIA did not. They did not like that because they feel like all their music should be getting paid for and stuff. Yes. Okay. Thank you. So Napster now had two huge lawsuits happening. The first, A&M Records Inc. versus Napster Inc. A&M Records just kind of was the name for all the different labels. And the second was Metallica versus Napster, which from what I understand included Dr. Dre and he kind of was on there. I don't think it was a separate one, but I couldn't really find anything. Now, A&M Records was hardly the only record company suing. Most of them were represented by RIA, which I mentioned earlier. Some of the labels included Geffen Records, Interscope Records, Sony Music Entertainment, everybody atlantic records capital records yeah even more those are just the biggest ones and i mean those are the kings the kings yeah exactly if if it was a big label they were probably on board there was a total of 18 record labels going against napster 18 now this is where you're going to start hearing some legal terminology i love that we need brody karn here yeah brody karn esquire and i tried keeping the phrasing as true to the court as possible so i don't miss anything well let's begin yeah Napster was faced with the following allegations from the music industry. One, that its users were directly violating the plaintiff's copyrights. Two, that Napster was responsible for contributory infringement on the plaintiff's copyrights. And three, that Napster was responsible for vicarious infringement of the plaintiff's copyrights. Plaintiffs alleged both contributory and vicarious copyright infringement by Napster and soon filed a motion for preliminary injunction in order to stop the exchange of plaintiff's songs on the service immediately. 
So you can't do anything till the case is resolved. Exactly. Now, Judge Marilyn Hall Patel of the U.S. District Court of the Northern District of California granted the preliminary injunction on the grounds that the plaintiffs demonstrated a reasonable likelihood of success. She issued an injunction which preliminary enjoined Napster from engaging in or facilitating others in copying, downloading, uploading, transmitting, or distributing plaintiffs' copyrighted musical compositions and sound recordings protected by either federal or state law without express permission of the rights owner. Okay, so they need Metallica to sign a letter saying, yeah, you can do this. Exactly. And until you get that... We're not going to, you can't do anything. Exactly. Systems down. Thank okay. you. Now, Metallica filed their lawsuit on April 13th, 2000. They alleged that Napster was guilty of copyright infringement and racketeering as defined by the Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations racketeering. Act. Racketeering? Or RICO. They were, the Metallica wanted to RICO them. Now, RICO is what the government used to prosecute a ton of mob-related cases. Yes, that's how now, they got all the mobsters. Exactly. Now, under the law, racketeering can be defined as anything from extortion to money laundering, theft to copyright infringement. Here's a little more of Lars Ulrich testifying to the Senate Judiciary Committee on July 11, 2000. With Napster, every song by every artist is available for download at no cost, and of course with no payment to the artist, the songwriter, or the copyright holder. If you're not fortunate enough to own a computer, there's only one way to assemble a music collection, the equivalent of a Napster user. Theft. Walk into a record store, grab what you want, and walk out. The difference is that the familiar phrase, files done, is now replaced by another familiar phrase, you're under arrest. Drama. That actually is a really good way of articulating it. Now, Metallica sought $10 million in damages at a rate of $100,000 per illegally downloaded song. The online consulting firm NetPD, which in 2000, that's such a 2000, like, NetPD. Internet. <laughs> yeah, NetPD. Now, they were hired by Metallica and produced a list of, get this, 335,435 Napster users who were allegedly sharing the band's songs online in violation of copyright laws. It was a 60,000-page list, and it was delivered to Napster's offices. Were they going to prosecute these individuals? Well, Metallica demanded that their songs be banned from being shared. They also wanted the users that were responsible for sharing the files to be banned from Napster. They would end up getting over 300,000 users banned. But there was software that you could just get and essentially allowed you to just make a new username for Napster. So got it, yeah, got so it, got it was it. like, okay, yeah. So if Ray Hebel's banned, Ray Hebel 1 might show up pretty exactly. soon. Okay. Now, the judge for this case was the same judge for the A&M Records case, uh, Marilyn Hall Patel. And her ruling was almost identical to the previous case. She issued a preliminary injunction in Metallica's favor pending case uh, resolution. The injunction ordered that Napster was to, to put a filter on their program within 72 hours or be shut down. Down. Now, Napster then had to search its system and remove all the songs by Metallica. A similar settlement was reached with Dr. Dre's lawsuit. Now, this is a clip of Dave Mustaine. He was Metallica's original bassist and is the lead singer of the band Megadeth. And he just, I thought he had a very interesting take on the whole Metallica Napster situation. Yeah, I remember back when I was in Metallica that we used to trade tapes. That's how we even discovered bands. I don't know. I, I, I uh, can't blame Lars for doing the things that he does. Um, he, uh, who knows why a guy does that? I mean, does he have enough money? Probably, right? So he's saying Lars is greedy. Let these people exactly. do it. And, and he, you did it too. Yeah, so what's the problem? Yeah, you did it too, Lars. You were one of those kids, but it was just a different format. Yes. So I, I really thought that was interesting. Now, despite all the legal troubles, some artists liked what Napster was doing, while some realized that it was the future and you can't really stop forward momentum. True. Now, I want to play this clip from the 2000 MTV Video Music Awards. Carson Daly is introducing Sean Fanning, Napster, and he comes out in a Metallica t-shirt. Balls. He's got balls. In the last year, this teenager has developed a technology that has revolutionized the way we all get our music, and he is here tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, creative Napster, Sean Fanning. Nice shirt. Nice shirt. You like it? You like it? Actually, a friend of mine shared it with me. I'm uh, thinking about getting my own, though. 
All right. I think we need to uh, get on with this introduction as quickly as possible. Yo, the sooner I can get off the stage, the better. Yeah, you and me both. Uh, she's already <laughs> now, besides all the legal issues, there was some trouble inside of Napster as well, also from The Guardian. Sean Parker had been quietly, hurtfully ousted from the company after an email was unearthed in which he referred to file sharers as pirates, something Napster's lawyers were always careful to deny. Yeah. Shown the door, Parker asked Fanning for help, but his friend was so weary and disillusioned that he only said, you're lucky. You can go and do something else. Before long, Fanning left too. Very sad, Napster. Know, right? Now, the RAAA case would wind up in the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Ugh, I wanted the eighth. <laughs> the Ninth Circuit upheld the district court's decision immediately after the district court commanded Napster to keep track of the activities of its network and to restrict access to infringing material when they were informed of that material's location. So when they found out that something was infringing on one of the copyrights, they had to go in and take it off, get it out of there. Napster wasn't able to comply and thus had to close down its service in July 2001. Music is an important part of Brett Ofson's life. He hopes he can make it part of his career. This freshman at Palm Beach Atlantic College used to download songs from his favorite bands on Napster. Now he thinks the musicians are getting too greedy. They got plenty of money from their tours and things like that. Can't play an MP3 on your stereo in your car, but it's basically Let's just get over it. But fellow student Phil Yoakum, who wants to become a recording engineer, thinks Napster is wrong. I think that paying wouldn't be such a bad idea because it would put that money back into the recording industry and keep our jobs going. Monday, the recording A few months prior to that, in April 2001, Judge Patel called Napster's policing efforts disgraceful. The company tried to use digital fingerprinting to try to identify infringing files. However, at a hearing on July 11, 2001, Judge Patel's dissatisfaction with Napster's 99.4% efficacy in removing infringing materials prompted her to order the service shut down until it could be 100% effective. Wow. So because of a 0.6 that they weren't She's not policing, messing around. She was not messing around. Then on July 12, 2001, which was the next day, Napster reached a settlement with Metallica and Dr. Dre after Bertelsmann. AG BMG became interested in purchasing the rights to Napster for 94 million. Now Bertelsmann is a German media conglomerate that is one of the biggest in the world. So they wanted to buy Napster for 94 million. Now the two companies had been collaborating since the middle of 2000 when Bertelsmann became the first major label to drop its copyright lawsuit against Napster. Ah. So they kind of were like, "Hey, we can be friends. Let's work together. Let's figure out how to, you know, make this uh-huh, the future. Uh-huh. Now, the settlement with Metallica qui- required that Napster block music being shared from any artist that did not want their music to be shared. Okay. This $94 million deal would eventually be blocked when Judge Peter Walsh ruled that the deal was tainted because Napster CEO Conrad Hilbers, a former B- Bertelsmann executive, had one foot in the Napster camp and one foot in the Bertelsmann camp. So Napster was forced to file for Chapter 7 and liquidate its assets. Now, with Sean Parker gone and not much else they could do with this company, the Napster that the world so learned to love and embrace shut down on September 3rd, 2002, only 14 months after its initial launch. So Napster was only around for a year and two months? Yes. That's what's so crazy. I feel like it was so much yeah, longer because, than that. But you have to realize, in that 14 months, it was such a huge bubble and there was so much news about it and also it was in the news after it shut down because of yes. all the pending lawsuits and yes. stuff so it, i think it the wow. time seemed like it was much longer that, to me that's mind-blowing yep in my mind it was longer now napster agreed to pay music creators and copyright owners a 26 million dollar settlement for past unauthorized uses of music and as an advance against future licensing royalties of 10 million They tried to pivot with a paid service to help pay for the settlement, but that idea was almost too ahead of its time. People aren't going to pay to stream music, right? Now, the record labels realized they needed to adapt. But CD sales continued to plummet, shuttering record stores across the country. An industry in turmoil. So when Steve Jobs came to the table with plans for a new online music store, the major labels finally surrendered the thing they had fought so hard to maintain, the distribution. You had only two choices. Either you don't do a deal with Steve, in which case people continue to just email the MP3s to their friends, or you do a business with him and he has a store and then you can sell things. This week, Apple Computer launched its iTunes Music Store. And they are hoping that this is an answer to some of the piracy that is going on online. Over the next several years, digital sales boomed. So had Napster just simply said, okay, look, we're going to charge people 50 cents a song, Mm -hmm. the record company probably would have been happy. Yeah. 
and consumers probably would have been happy. Exactly. And then once I download the song, I can share it with whomever. But I think probably since Napster had that taint on them, this you know that that bad smell. Yes, yeah. People weren't like they were like, but wait, is it bad that I'm investing in them? Yeah. But when Steve Jobs, a known person, authority. exactly authority, Apple is a major corporation at that time. It was becoming the thing it is now you know what i mean like the first ipod was released around that same time you know which is crazy to think about which revolutionized everything i had an mp3 player before an ipod and it was like a brick oh yes you you know what i mean and like and chain figuring out files and it was like you had to click buttons to go back and it was just it was a pain in the ass i mean yes it got my mp3s and i could listen to you know the 80 songs that were on there but it was it was giant i mean it was yeah it was like a brick you're right yeah it was like a brick so napster the peer-to-peer sharing service may have shut down but the name is still in use nowadays oh the napster brand and logos were acquired at a bankruptcy auction by roxio which used the name to rebrand their press play music service as napster 2.0 then in September 2008, Napster was purchased by Best Buy for $121 million. Then that Napster merged with Rhapsody. Rhapsody then phased out the Rhapsody brand in favor of the Napster brand. Then they set out to make a Napster-branded streaming service. So they finally, Smart. Napster was going to have a Napster brand. And now at this point, it's like the nostalgia factor. You know yes. what I mean? Then in August of 2020, Napster was sold again this time to a virtual reality concert company called Melody VR. And I'll be honest, I am so curious as to what a virtual reality concert is and if that fad will last. Coming to season three of This Was a Thing, virtual reality concerts. Oh, no. (laughs) Now, Sean and Sean ended up doing pretty well for themselves. They both stayed in the field of technology, investing in and helping numerous different companies. Sean Fanning helped found a gaming company called Rupture that would eventually sell to Electronics Arts for $30 million. Sean Parker did even better. In 2004, he saw a site called The Facebook on his friend's girlfriend's computer at Stanford University. He had already had experience with social networking as he was helpful in the launch of Friendster. Now, Parker met with the creator of The Facebook, a Harvard student named Mark Zuckerberg, and his partner, Eduardo Savarin. And a few months later, he would join the five-month-old company as its president. Parker is said to have helped transform the Facebook, a college social network, to Facebook, the global phenomenon it is today. He was forced to resign in 2005 because of a drug charge, but he stayed on his advisor since then, and he still is around the office. Parker was also an early investor in Spotify. He invested $15 million in 2010. Spotify is now another behemoth, and it's as close to what Napster set out to do, but the artists now get some kind of cash money. Speaking of cash money, Sean Parker is worth an estimated $2.4 billion as of 2016 when he was ranked number 722 on Forbes' list of billionaires in the world. Good for him. Now, Napster was a flash in the pan. That was a story that I was happy to share with you. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, oh, no. Because no, we were talking no. about sharing files, so I no, shared right. a story. No, now, no, after no. the break, we'll discuss how Napster changed the way the world listens to music and how record companies may have finally appreciated them for what they were. A streaming site. This was a thing, this was a thing. And now, this is a sketch. Bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? Yeah, we got a call about 10 minutes ago from a man who thinks his neighbor is up to something. Um, and we've been to this house before. It's very sad to see. Hello? Hey, Tom. Is your son at home? Again? Yeah, Tom. Yeah, he's in the back. Marcy, the cops are here again. Denver Police Department, open the bedroom door, son. Uh, You need a warrant. We have one. Okay, fine, come in. Do you have any loaded weapons? I have a potato gun, but it's in my closet. Do you have any potatoes in there? No, 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 they're in the kitchen, they're in the kitchen. Okay, fine, we're coming in. I need you to step away from the computer. Why? You know why. Keep your hands up and back away from the keyboard slowly. I I was reading stuff for school. Yeah, uh, homework, yeah, yeah, homework, homework. You left your window open, you sicko. 
kids can see what you're looking at. You okay with a kid walking by and seeing this stuff on your computer? It's not what you think. Look, it's fine in some countries. In some countries, people are okay with it, okay? it's just It just depends on what region you're in. Well, you are not in any country, man. You're in America. And in this region, we protect kids and families from filth like what you're downloading on Napster. Now, turn around. Let me get the cuffs on you, and we're going to take you downtown. On there. Please tell me. I swear we're looking in together. I'm help. Don't say anything, Mom. I'm sorry. I thought I could stop. Look, I'll get help. You hear that, mother? I'm gonna get help, okay? Let me go. We're trying to make him stop. We thought if he did it on the computer and he wasn't doing it outside, we'd be okay. You know the routine, ma'am. You can go in after he gets booked. You know, I do a lot of these, and this was a sick one. They say cops see it all, and you think you do, and then you see that, and you think, you know, why would someone enjoy that? It's sick. What was it? Venga boys, bewitched, three doors down. It's a whole wide range of it all. Excuse me. No matter how shitty they are, they're still represented by major labels. God, this job doesn't get easier. Thank you. This was a sketch. So Napster opened the door to peer-to-peer sharing, which is standard practice nowadays. Thinking back to only 20 years ago, it's crazy to think how different the world of music is today. Yeah. I can't tell you the last time I bought a CD. It's got to be over a decade. I'm going to go one step further. I can't tell you the last time I bought a song. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Or an album. Do you pay for a streaming service now? Like a Spotify? Do you do Spotify or? I, you know what? Yeah. I do Apple Music through my, because that's just easier for my no, iPhone. Actually, no, I, I do Apple Music. I do, I do have a Spotify account that I rarely use. If I do anything, I do do it on Apple Music, but more often than not now, honestly, YouTube. YouTube, exactly. No, yeah, I'll, I know that's something I'll get to. So after Napster ended, there were copycats that came around doing the same thing, sharing files. There was Morpheus, LimeWire, Kazaa, and K-Lite, which was an offshoot of Kazaa. Another interesting thing is that a study found that if a song was downloaded on Napster, it made the downloader more likely to go out and buy the CD. So that was a big thing used in court, but I don't think it really went anywhere. But I thought that was an interesting yeah. thing that I read a couple times. CD sales have almost become non-existent today. Diehard fans will go out and maybe get a physical copy for their favorite singer's newest release, but that doesn't really do anything to move the needle forward. Nowadays, if you want a physical copy of something, records are the thing to get now. To me, Napster was the easy target when the record companies weren't willing to adjust to the changing world. This is from Time in 2000. Love it or hate it, that's what Napster has done. Changed the world. It has forced record companies to rethink their business models and record company lawyers and recording artists to fend their intellectual property. It has forced purveyors of content to wonder what content will even be in the near future. Now, that was from 2000. Now, think over 20 years later, over two decades later, the world has changed so much and i feel like napster was the thing that helped push the industry forward you know i'm sure that they would have gotten there sooner or later but napster showed the world the music industry that it was time to change it was time to move forward something had to be different now a positive one of napster was that unknown artists could have their music shared worldwide with other users you know like the kind of thing where it couldn't be done before napster you know they could they have their song sure. and they could upload it on their hard drive and then someone could download that song and, oh, I can discover that. Now, I don't remember anyone getting necessarily huge from that, but it was a way to get their music out there. And now fast forward, there's sites like SoundCloud that new artists upload their music to share. And there's a ton of new hip hop artists that, I mean, what called mumblecore hip hop that were discovered on SoundCloud, and even Billie Eilish, who is probably one of, if not the biggest recording artist right now, all started on SoundCloud mm. as a free, you know, not that that's how people are getting discovered nowadays. YouTube, like we were talking, uh, has changed how people get their music. It's the easiest way to listen to any song now for free. You just have to watch an ad and then boom, you get any song you want. Yep. Now, a way YouTube gets around being sued now, though, is that they offer the copyright holder the option to take the video down or the copyright holder can put ads on yes. that video so then they can monetize off Great. of it. So people, and that's this thing with like Spotify, people are, you know, and iTunes started that, but Spotify people get money for downloads. Now, mind you, that's a big new thing where people, artists feel like they're not getting enough money from yeah. streaming stuff, but now streaming is such a thing that they have to kind of eat their losses because that's the only way to get 
keep the exposure happening. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like that's the thing. They, they've learned that they have to cut. And now the record labels that were so greedy for money are being greedy with not paying the artists because they figured out, oh, well, we can make more money now from yeah. this. So, I mean, it's just, it is crazy to think that it's all become this way. Consumers now expect to pay for their music subscription. It's just part, yeah. it's become part of their monthly bills. Car, insurance, Spotify, rent, gas. It's just crazy to think how much has changed, like I said, in 20 years. I know I keep saying it, but 20 years, it's insane. But it's how. what's it going to be like in another 20 years? In 2042? Yeah. Tell me that is not a thinker, though. What's going to happen in 20 years? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know what else makes you think, probably? What? A game. <gasps> This was a thing, and now it's a quiz. This is a this was a quiz. With Mark Schroeder. Mark, were you ever a bad boy and downloaded uh, things illegally? On the record, no. Off the record, yes. What was the first thing you downloaded on Napster? Do you remember? It was all 80s music. It was terrible. I didn't, yes. have, any, I didn't have any musical sense. I still don't have any musical sense, but all I listened to growing up was uh, mostly 80s music. So I don't think anybody would have come after me because they weren't <laughs> making money off of, you know, Rick Astley's never going to give you up. Um, but You've yeah, been <laughs> but I, I used to make, I would, I was burning CDs. I was like a fiend. I had a little handwritten track listing for all my CDs that were just alphabetically. Oh yeah. I was a little, I was a little pirate. That's so cute. For the record, the good people at this was a thing podcast do not condone the pirating of no. music, no. but we do love music. And I love pirates of the Caribbean. And we the do love ride. pirates. Yeah, that's true. Uh, how much do we love music? How much do we love pirates? A lot. A lot. We're going to tell you exactly how much in a little game called Musical Pirates oh. Who Aren't the Pirates of Penzance. Oh, I'm oh. Uh, I was so, so ready you for might, Kevin yeah, Klein. You might, you might not get any of these. Right, Rob. Model, 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 model. Yeah, Rob, Ray, you're going to compete against each other? Uh-oh, no. All right. You're oh, going to no. be competing to see who can answer these the fastest? I'm going to read a before and after clue combining a famous pirate or pirate term with a famous song title linked by a common word. Are you confused? Good, but don't worry because I got a practice clue okay. for you. So here's a practice clue: Disney pirate portrayed by Johnny Depp and merrily, merrily, merrily rhyme. Jack Sparrow, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. So then you answer, put those together. Jack Sparrow, Jack Sparrow dream. Jack Sparrow, row, row your boat. There it, it is. You guys got it. So here are the questions. That that's how you got to be thinking. Okay. Oh, so who can get this the <laughs> fastest? So you're you're thinking okay, abstractly. Great. Here. Call me on Wednesday. Peter Pan Nemesis and 1974 pop rock cover that can be heard in Reservoir Dogs. Captain Hooked on a Feeling. Yes, that is correct. Oh shit! Nice. Number two, Spanish gold coin commonly sought by pirates and a Warner Brothers animated music comedy series debuting in 1930. The Blooney Tunes. That is correct, Ray. Yeah. Number three, rhyming pirate chant that precedes a rum request and a popular American folk dance gathering. Yo ho ho down. Yo ho ho oh, down nice. is correct. Yes. Way to go, Rob. Good one. Number four, to a pirate, one who is uncomfortable at sea and holly jolly Christmas singer. Burl Ives. That's the answer to the second part, holly jolly Christmas singer, but you do not have the- First part? To a pirate. Shiver one. me Tim Burl Ives. No. This is what what the pirate would call one who is uncomfortable at sea. Landlubber lives. Yes, Land that is correct. Landlubber lives. Okay. Lubber All right, it's tied at two. Now you guys are getting it. Number five, pirate nickname slash Florida NFL mascot and the first line of the chorus in Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. Buccaneer no. far, no. wherever. Dolphin near far, wherever you are. Rob is right, dolphin near uh, far. Miami Dolphins. Dolphin near right far, wherever you are. Okay, stop. <laughs> dolphin near. All right, I have. we have to continue. Number oh, six. <laughs> 1966 Stones hit, and probably the only real-life pirate you can name. Paint it Blackbeard. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> four, four to two. <laughs> Number seven. 1980 ACDC hit about burning the midnight oil and a popular seafood chain. Lady in uh, Red Lobster. Uh, uh, she shook, shook me all night long, John Silver. That is correct, yes. You got to sweep these last three to tie, Rob. I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> not with that attitude, buddy. Okay, I will. Okay, number eight. I'm out. 
George Lucas's heroic space pirate and 1987 railway-themed hit by Kylie Minogue. Uh, can't get you out of my hand. Luke Skywalker, run or fly to me. Be Han, no, Han Solo. And... 1987 railway-themed hit by Kylie Minogue. Oh, God, I don't know the Kylie Minogue song. That is Han Solo-Locomotion. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Number nine. Only getting harder, kids. This is good. Captain Hook Portrayer and... 1992 REM ode to Andy Kaufman. Uh, Dustin Hoffman on the nice. Man on the Moon. Aye, there it is. It's in there somewhere in those in that Dustin jumble of words. Man on the Moon. Okay. Number 10. 1997 Shania Twain Grammy winning single and fictional treasure hoarder from the Goonies. Man, I feel like a one-eyed Willie. You got the one-eyed Willie part right. Man, I feel like a woman-eyed Willie. <laughs> no. <laughs> Is it wait? One eyed Willie is the guy. Yeah, one eyed Willie is the second part of it. You're, You're the, the one eyed Willie. Willie. You're the one. You're closing I in. You're closing in. Too. You're closing in, dude. You're still the one eyed Willie. Yes, yeah, still the one eyed Willie. Still the one. Still the one eyed Willie. All right. Well, you know, like we blanked on that last one, but five to three, Rob, you lost. I did big time. Sorry, man. Ray, maybe I did big time. You did a big you did time. Good. I'm very proud. That's a tough so one. Much. That's a that's a left right brain Mark, smasher. That was gotta, great. That was a good one. You that guys was, are really good guessers. God, that was fabulous. Music oh. pirates. Music piracy. Thanks, man. Thanks. You're right? Welcome. You want to tell us anything else? Head on over to patreon.com slash this was a thing and uh, old Lucy level $5 a month gets you exclusive content that you can't see anywhere else. It's not anywhere else unless we, well, maybe you see it other, you know. You, don't, you won't. No. no. We're special. We think unless special. someone pirates it. Oh. oh. I know. Exactly. Or you can head on over to Instagram at this was a thing pod or check out our website. This was a thing.com. Get all the cool stuff that you're missing mostly just links and stuff see videos that we watched you want to get some lunch yeah thanks for listening to this was a thing and a big thanks to the folks that keep this show running our editor daniel cut cut schwartzberg our composer, Billy Better Than DC Reese. Our social media director, Gabe Hashtag Crawford. Our graphic designer, Natalie's Nothing Too Graphic DeSavia. And finally, our games coordinator, Mark the Shark Schroeder. If you liked what we did today, make sure to head on over to iTunes to rate and review us. The more stars you leave us, the more love we feel. Hey, speaking of love, show us some social media love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at This Was A Thing Pod and Facebook we are This Was A Thing Podcast. Reach out. We'd love to hear from you. And if you really like what we did today, head on over to Patreon.com and become one of our sponsors and you'll get access to special episodes, interviews, and merch. That's Patreon. Search This Was A Thing and support us so we can keep doing this show. 